Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Episode number 195 of the Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi, and with me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And with our divisional draft reviews in the rearview mirror, it's time to focus on 2022. And we'll do just that on today's show with a top 10 mock draft. Tony, there comes a time every year where we have to turn the page to the future, and that time is now here in the middle of June. It is, and I, I guess it's always fun to do these things and look back uh, as to how accurate we are or aren't. Uh, I'm in the middle of a lot of film work. Most of these guys I know about. There's one or two guys I will talk about that I'm not very sure, but they're your picks, but we'll have some fun with it. And we'll get to this week's show in just a minute. But first, a word from our sponsor. The month of June is heating up with a ton of exciting sports action. And Bet Online is where you can find it. From basketball and hockey playoffs to baseball's marquee matchups, including prop bets and futures, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next tip off, face off, or pitch, head on over to betonline.ag. And start playing today. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, without further ado, it is time to look ahead to the 2022 NFL draft with a 10 pick mock draft. Now, the draft order is based on the Super Bowl odds for every NFL team from our friends over at betonline.ag. And to get us started is the Houston Texans with the number one overall pick. Texans are a massive favorite to draft number one with. Deshaun Watson in hot water and an aging poor roster. They are 200 to one to win the Super Bowl. And obviously they have a need at the quarterback position since Watson seems more likely than not to be playing elsewhere in 2022, if not this year, but this is next year's draft. This year doesn't matter too, too much outside of the record. So for me, with the number one overall pick in the 2022 NFL draft, for the Houston Texans, I'm going to take Sam Howell, UNC quarterback. Now, Sam Howell is a guy that you've probably heard about since he was a freshman through 38 touchdowns as a true freshman through 30 last year, both seasons came up with seven interceptions. So the production has been there since he stepped foot on the college field. He has the arm to make all the throws enough athleticism to make plays within the pocket, throw on the run. He's not going to beat you with his legs, but he's not a statue back there either. Um, you know, the standard improvements that come with any young quarterback who's not eligible for the draft apply here to Sam Howell in terms of consistency, reading the field, but he has made strides since he stepped on the field as a freshman. Feels like Howell's kind of been ticketed for this selection since 2019. Like I said, really, as long as he doesn't fall flat on his face, should be able to see that promise through. You know, I agree. If Sam Howell was eligible for the 2021 draft, the draft just two months ago, and he had entered, I think that elusive six quarterback gets selected in round one. In fact, I think that Sam Howell, is probably a New England Patriot today instead of Mac Jones, unless Sam Howell goes earlier. I mean, he is a nice-sized quarterback with an NFL arm. I can tell you this, scouts that I've talked to 
who grade underclassmen and Howell is still an underclassman, have him rated anywhere from mid first round through the mid second round. Now that's not pretty good. Uh, a year ago, Zach Wilson was graded as a fifth round choice. Uh, and we've seen the year before that Joe Burrow was graded as a fifth round choice. So we see quarterbacks, you know, come up out of nowhere all the time, but Howell uh, has, at least played up to, if not beaten expectations the past two years. And like you said, unless he falls flat on his face, he's going to be a very early pick in the 2022 draft. So now that we have the consensus number one pick off the board, we're going to deviate a bit at pick number two, where the Detroit Lions have 150 to one odds to win this year's Super Bowl. Definitely the clear number two option, at least so far going into the season in the betting market. And the reality is, the Lions are going to need a quarterback. Uh, they traded Matthew Stafford. They got Jared Goff and a couple of first-round picks back. But unless Jared Goff really turns his career arc around, which, you know, he's kind of been declining uh, the past few seasons, and now he doesn't have Sean McVay uh, to help him at the line of scrimmage and, and do a lot of things for him and, and scheme things up, unless he turns that around, they're going to need a quarterback as well. So my pick here for the Lions at number two is Carson Strong quarterback out of Nevada, a guy that we've talked about a lot on the show. I know Tony loves him. We'll probably get to that a bit later in this version of the top 10, a good arm. He's got good size, not turnover prone. The main advantage that he has over Howell is his size. Howell's a bit smaller, but Carson Strong is a bit more of a statue in the pocket. Uh, the mobility is not there. He definitely won't beat you with his legs and, you know, has to definitely work on maneuvering in the pocket and, and making sure he can avoid incoming rushers. Uh, probably the main concern surrounding Carson Strong is that along with level of competition um, and the reality is to justify a pick this high he has to be very very good as a passer if he's not bringing anything with his legs in the modern NFL but the reality is this QB class at least as of right now as Tony mentioned Joe Burrows Zach Wilson's these guys come out of nowhere every year it's probably going to happen again next year but as of right now this isn't necessarily the strongest quarterback class at least compared to a lot of the recent classes that we've seen and that's going to push a guy like Strong up and he is the guy I like most behind Sam Howell. So for the Lions, they need a quarterback. They're going to take the second guy in my book. Here's what I think. I don't think the Lions are going to be drafting that early because I think Dan Campbell is going to find a way to turn that organization around. Doesn't mean they're going to be competing for a playoff spot, but I think it probably means six or seven wins, which is going to take them out of the top five. That's my own personal feeling. But if we're going to base it on the odds at uh, – bet online for the Super Bowl. I think the Lions are going to take Justin Ross, the receiver from Clemson with that second selection. Ross was one of the highest rated underclassmen, if not the highest rated underclassmen uh, from scouts who grade underclassmen after conversations with people. He's an exceptional receiver who missed last year because of a neck injury. Granted, that's a red flag that has to be uh, checked out. But right now, scouts with the information they have are not that concerned about it. And really going into this April's draft, everyone thought that the Lions would address the receiver position unless Penny Sewell fell to them. Penny Sewell fell to him. They took the big offensive lineman from Oregon. They didn't address the receiver position until the fourth round when they took Amon Ross St. Brown. Real good choice. But still, I mean, that's one player and they really need a lot of help at the receiver position. So maybe they could go quarterback. But I think really when you're looking at the board right now, the way it stands, Justin Ross, the receiver out of Clemson, is my highest rated player. He's a good fit because he fills a need with the Lions if they are, in fact, drafting at number two. 
Now, after our first disagreement here, we're going to go back to the well. And again, Tony and I have the same pick here for the New York Jets at number three. You know, again, another team that drafted their quarterback this year. Is there a chance that they are better than this? Absolutely. But again, we're just going with what the odds tell us. And the odds tell us that the Jets have the third worst odds to win the Super Bowl. What this podcast has told you several times over the past few years, pretty much whenever we talk about the Jets, is that since the days of John Abraham, the Jets have needed pass rush help. And with quarterbacks going top two in my version of the draft, the Jets here get arguably the best player in the draft who also fills a massive need. He's the runner-up right now in BetOnline's odds to go number one overall, which tells you just how good he is as a non-QB. He's just under three to one to be the top pick. And that pick is Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end out of Oregon. Came in in 2019, made an immediate impact as a freshman with 14 tackles for loss and nine sacks in a half season last year, nine and a half tackles for loss and three sacks. He's an explosive athlete, but he also plays the run as well as he rushes the passer, doesn't take plays off, has a very good motor, great height and length, could fill that frame out a little bit more and refine some of his pass rush moves, but there is time for that this season. There's time for that in the following off season. And there's time for that once he gets into the league. And when you have a guy like this, who has the potential to be both an elite edge rusher and a complete defensive end, it's definitely hard to find in most drafts. So if the Jets find themselves in this spot, this is kind of a no brainer type of pick. Yeah. Along with Justin Ross, Thibodeau, uh, speaking with scouts received the highest grade with Justin Ross of all the underclassmen. Uh, you know, a couple things. It's funny because people talk about the New York Jets needing a quarterback. They've needed a pass rusher a lot longer and more desperately than they needed needed a quarterback. I mean, all those years, uh, they had Mark Sanchez, who was relatively productive for him, but they couldn't get him over the hump. They had Sam Darnold, who showed flashes as a rookie, but they couldn't get him over the hump. Yet they had no pass rush, as you said, since John Abraham. I think Thibodeau, you know, answers that question. I think Thibodeau is also the hybrid type of lineman that Robert Sala likes. You mentioned him as an explosive athlete. He can come out of a three-point stance. He can stand over tackle. He's got growth potential. He's got upside potential. So I think it's a perfect fit. As far as the quarterback position is concerned in New York Jets, uh, just a little bit of inside information that I have here. Uh, people I've talked to who have no affiliation with Robert Sala, they're not Robert Sala or even Joe Douglas disciples. They're not... Uh, you know, they're not saying this to boost the pick, but they are enthralled with Zach Wilson. I'm told he's doing all the things right on the field, off the field, checking all the boxes. Uh, and people inside the organization who've been with the organization for a while and, you know, who understand what a mess it is, especially at the quarterback position, they've come away incredibly impressed with Zach Wilson. So that's something New York Jet fans should be very excited about. Absolutely. And we'll move on here to another team that drafted a quarterback very highly in this year's draft. And that is the Jacksonville Jaguars at number four. And the reality is when you draft a quarterback, look at what the Jets did in this draft. They traded up to draft a guard and they drafted a wide receiver. Jacksonville, uh, they drafted a running back later in the first round and they didn't really address their offensive line. So they're going to have to support Trevor Lawrence. Eventually you can't just hang him out to dry. And the pick here for me as a result of that is Evan Neal the left tackle out of Alabama. Now he was recruited as a tackle to the Crimson Tide, but since Alabama is always just loaded at every position, he started his career as a freshman at left guard, moved to right tackle last year. And now with Alex Leatherwood gone to the Las Vegas Raiders should take over at left tackle. 
Now he is massive. I mean, Deontay Brown last year was a massive lineman for Alabama. Evan Neal, pretty similar in terms of size, but he has great length and he is more than athletic enough to play the left tackle position, which is something he has the opportunity to prove this year. Cam Robinson for the Jags playing on the franchise tag this season. There are no other in-house replacements that, you know, could take over at starting left tackle next year. If Robinson leaves for a new contract for greener pastures. So Neil would be able to slide right in, in that case to protect Trevor Lawrence. And as I said, Jacksonville should definitely be looking to support their franchise quarterback with blockers, receivers, whatever it may be. I don't know that Evan Neal is going to be able to hold down the left tackle position in the NFL. We'll see about that, you know, this coming season. And if he does, and he has a great year, maybe he moves up in the top five. He's just not that highly rated on my board. I did want to go offensive tackle for the Jaguars because of the reasons that you mentioned. I considered a cornerback, but they did take Tyson Campbell with the very first selection of round two. So they're not going to go there. They seem to have an eternal need at tight end. I know they took Luke Farrell uh, with their selection around five. I, I like Luke Farrell, but I think he's really nothing more than a number two tight end. So I went with a bit of a surprise here. I went with Chris Olave, the receiver uh, from Ohio State, who probably would have been a late first round pick had he entered the April draft. He goes back to school. He's got high hopes. He thinks he can be a top 10 pick. Speaking with scouts, I know he's graded as high as the uh, middle part of round one. Some scouts have him early part of round two. But when you look at the receiver position for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, they, they had a lot of picks early on. They didn't address the offensive line. They really didn't even address uh, the receiver position until the sixth round. I think Olave is a home run hitter. He brings speed to the position. A little bit high. I understand that. And I'm sure people are... Uh, on the other end, who are listening to this are saying, Tony, you're crazy. But when I look at the board, when I look at the needs that the Jaguars have, Chris Olave made the most sense. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's kind of the case with, with my pick for the Jags too, is, you know, there's not really a, a perfect value to fill the needs that they have. A lot of the best players on the board, you know, cornerbacks, well, you know what, they drafted CJ Henderson two years ago. And then again, they drafted Tyson Campbell pretty early this year. So probably hard to see them going back to the well again. So, I mean, in this case, maybe it's not perfect value, but the Jags are filling needs and they are getting a good player at number four, moving on to number five, where the Cincinnati Bengals reside in this particular mock draft. Now, the Bengals lost William Jackson to the Washington football team this offseason. Their secondary was already a little bit shaky before it lost their best corner. So now the need for number one corner is obvious. Certainly, you could argue if you wanted to in terms of need that this pick should be an offensive lineman. Since obviously Cincinnati passed on Panay Sewell this year for Jamar Chase, Cincinnati offensive line could certainly take a step forward this season. If it doesn't, maybe this pick does end up being an offensive lineman. But for now, LSU cornerback Derek Stingley Jr., is my pick at number five, the second best odds of the three non-quarterbacks with odds in the top 10 to go number one overall. Thanks to our friends over at Bet Online, and really with good reason. I mean, he's got great size and length. He's extremely fast, very good overall athlete, excellent ball skills, stepped right in as a true freshman and made a big impact, played some really great football for LSU, worked inside and out. He's worked in press. He's backed off the line. Uh, he'd be the top cornerback prospect in many drafts, Pretty difficult to find flaws with Derek Stingley Jr. I mean, he even has NFL bloodlines from his grandfather. So, I mean, again, this is just another pick that is a complete home run for Cincinnati in this case and fills a need as well. 
I really wanted to go offensive line as well. I mean, they touched on the offensive line this year. They took Jackson Carmen in round two, but he's a guard. They took Deontay Smith of East Carolina in the fourth round. I've seen him penned in at right tackle. I think he's also a guard. I guess they're going to roll. The, obviously, they're going to roll the dice and, and uh, hope that Jonah Williams can stay healthy and live up to expectations, which was in large part what or part of the reason, I should say, they selected Jamar Chase over Penny Sewell. But I also went with Stingley because it makes just too much sense. I, I mean, when you look at the uh, depth chart at cornerback uh, for the Bengals, it's not pretty. They're going. <laughs> Eli Apple is uh, their nickelback right now, or, or, or at least their their. If he's not their nickelback, he's their number four uh, cornerback. Uh, they signed Trey Waynes in the offseason. They've got guys that are replaceable. I think Stingley was up and down last year. Obviously, he was a dominant corner as a freshman. Had some struggles at times last year, but, you know, as Chris said, great bloodlines, horrific ball skills. He's just got to be more consistent and consistently play at a high level. And to their credit, you know, the Bengals have had success in the past drafting cornerbacks at number five. Uh, I think uh, I think this is a good selection. I also think that if, the Bengals are, in fact, drafting at number five. It's a good chance they're going to be have, they'll have a new head coach moving towards 2022. Now we'll get into the back half of our top 10 right after this word from our newest sponsor. Why are 97% of the chicken served in the U.S. dipped in chlorine? Simple. Big food doesn't have the same quality standards as the family farm. That's why you need moinkbox.com. Moink was founded by eighth generation farmer who was featured on Shark Tank. Host Kevin O'Leary said it's the best bacon he's ever tasted. I got to get me some of that. And Jamie Siminoff, creator of Ring Video Doorbell, invested in Moink. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe right now. And listeners to the show get free bacon for a year with every box ordered. Tony, as you said, get on that because this is one year of the best bacon you will ever taste, but only for a limited time. Spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash believe. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Now moving on in our mock draft to the Philadelphia Eagles, drafting number six. And like we talked about with the Jets and pass rushers, the Eagles have needed secondary help for a while now. Not quite as long as the Jets have needed a pass rusher, but it's been several years. And Ohio State cornerback Seven Banks is the pick here to fill that void for Philadelphia. Now, he's the third and final non-quarterback who has top 10 odds to go number one from our friends over at Bet Online. And really, he's well worth a pick at this spot. He was a first-year starter last year, improved as the season went along, and he got more comfortable, even though it was certainly a shorter season. Now, he's not as polished, experienced, or productive as Derek Stingley Jr., but he does share great size and length with Stingley. And really, he's as smooth and fluid as a much smaller corner would be. So if 2021 is the breakout season that many expect from Banks, then he becomes the next Ohio State corner to become a first-round pick. And it would be a perfect fit of value and need for Philly at number six. It's amazing how Ohio State Buckeyes just continue to, to produce cornerbacks. Uh, Banks was also my selection for the Eagles with the sixth selection. Uh, and I do think that the Eagles could be drafting top eight when you look at their team. 
Uh, it was a position cornerback that a lot of people thought the Eagles would broach early in this year's draft. They really didn't. Uh, they didn't take a cornerback, I should say, till the fourth round when they took Zach McPherson uh, from Texas Tech, and he's maybe a nickelback. Uh, Banks is graded as an early round two pick at this point in time by scouts. Um, basically, that that is the consensus. But as we've seen time and time again, uh, you know, cornerbacks that have good seasons will rise up draft boards. We've also seen some Ohio State cornerbacks who didn't have good seasons drop down draft boards as we did this past April. I think it's a good fit with a good player uh, with a large upside. uh, And I'm in agreement with Chris on this. And moving on to pick number seven, where the New York Giants reside in terms of the odds to win the Super Bowl, seventh worst odds. And when you think of it like that, you really can't rule out the Giants needing a quarterback with this pick if they finish with the seventh worst record in the NFL and Daniel Jones doesn't take a big step forward this year with an improved supporting cast around him, then there could certainly be a quarterback in the mix. There's not a quarterback in the mix just yet because we don't know what Daniel Jones is going to do in 2020. Kyle Hamilton, the safety out of Notre Dame could be an option as well. If Jabril Peppers doesn't get a new contract, but if he does, then safety's off the board. So right now I'm going to look to fill a need that the giants have right now, regardless of contract situations and performance in 2020 And that's edge rusher. USC edge rusher Drake Jackson is my pick for the Giants at number seven. Now, I know that they just drafted Aziz Ojolari in the second round. I know Leonard Williams came into his own as a pass rusher last year, hitting double digits and sacks. But Ojolari fell far enough in the draft, and the Giants spent so little draft capital on him compared to the upside that he has that they wouldn't be overcommitting too much draft capital to the position, making this pick at the top seven. Drake Jackson reportedly runs a 4-5-40 yard dash. He's a very good athlete, needs to fill out his frame, wins with power more in college than he likely will be able to do in the NFL. But in 17 career games, 19 and a half tackles for loss, 11 sacks. And if he pushes for double digit sacks this year, which he was on pace for last season, could cement his draft stock as a potential high first round pick. I'm going to surprise people here. And I'm going to go with a guy that's really not talked about. And that is... Auburn cornerback Roger McCreary goes just slightly under six foot tall, 190 pounds, smart guy. He is rated by most scouts higher than uh, seven banks. In fact, a lot of scouts I've talked to have a half round grade higher on McCreary than they do banks. I like McCreary. I don't like him as much as banks. When you look at the Giants depth chart, they do have James Radbury. They signed the Dory Jackson to a, uh, a decent contract. They drafted Aaron Robinson. I still think there's a need there for, you know, a, a, another shutdown corner. They need help in the secondary. Uh, I think McCreary is a guy that a lot of people don't talk about. I'm going to expect Daniel Jones to make the next step. I think Daniel Jones problems have also been, has been as much inconsistency in the offensive line and the receiver position as it's been his own poor play. So I'm hoping for the best with uh, Daniel Jones. And my pick for the Giants is McCreary uh, with the seventh selection. Now at number eight, we see the Carolina Panthers drafting here. Another team with a uh, quarterback who played in New York last year in Sam Darnold. Uh, and also they have a wide receiver who formerly played in New York in Robbie Anderson, a guy they could move on from next season when his contract is up. And if they do that, they really could use another playmaker to add to DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall Jr. Yes, they have Christian McCaffrey there, but not really anything going on at the tight end position and you want weapons and Tony drafted Justin Ross number two to the Detroit lions. I have him here at number eight to Carolina. 
Um, obviously, we don't know right now what's going on with the spinal surgery. Um, Tony said the scouts aren't really concerned. I'm sure a lot of people just want to see Justin Ross healthy and back on the football field. Hard to put him too much higher than this, but we are projecting. So if he comes back healthy, he could absolutely go top three, top five in this draft. But the Panthers got a nice pick here in terms of value at number eight. If he does return fully healthy, a great height and catch radius for Justin Ross, athletic enough to get downfield and make big plays. He's not an elite playmaker with the ball in his hands, but he's more of a bigger contested catch type of receiver be a very nice compliment to a guy like DJ Moore who can make plays after the catch and to Terrace Marshall, who has some size, but also has some speed, some ability to get deep and play with the ball in his hands too. kind of a combination, or I should say Marshall's kind of a combination of what Moore and Ross would bring to the table. So you'd have a very nice three receiver set guys who complement each other very well. And granted, this is all if Ross a returns healthy and B gets back to his 1000 yard ways at Clemson in 2021. You know, I, I, for the Giants, I took a surprise pick or a name that people really aren't familiar with, with Roger Creary. I'm going to do the same thing here with the Panthers, and I'm going to go with Georgia linebacker Adam Anderson, who is, by some scouts, graded as the top senior prospect in the nation. He goes 6'4", he's over 230 pounds, he's explosive, he's fast, he's got growth potential, he's got scheme versatility, he can play inside, he can play outside, he's good against the run. He's good in pursuit. You can drop him off the line in coverage. He's not going to be a liability. He's got a, uh, a good amount of upside. You know, when you look at that, uh, uh, that linebacker core for the Panthers, uh, there is room for improvement there. I would have liked to go on with a receiver. I am with you, uh, but I don't think there's any receiver that's really worth going uh, for at, with this pick with considering the guys that I have already taken off uh, the board. Plus, they, they did draft Harris Marshall and Shai Smith. I think those guys are going to be real good. Would have considered a left tackle here. Would have also considered a tight end. But really, none of them read as highly as Adam Anderson, the linebacker from Georgia. Now, the Atlanta Falcons draft at number nine in this version of our mock draft. And obviously, with Julio Jones gone, traded to Tennessee for a second-round pick, uh, they are also in the need or in the market. They are also in the market for some help at the wide receiver position. And since Chris Olave is still on the board in my version of this mock draft, that's who I'm going to take for Atlanta at number nine. With all due respect to Russell Gage, Atlanta needs a third option on offense behind Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. Enter Olave. I mean, great wheels. Ran a 4.38 in the 40 this spring. Excellent route runner as well. Catches the ball very well. Similar in some ways to Calvin Ridley. Uh, who already obviously plays for the Atlanta Falcons and has been thriving and should continue to thrive now without Julio Jones there. I mean, this pick would really give Atlanta three excellent weapons with, again, Ridley, Chris Olave, and Kyle Pitts. So really a no-brainer here for Atlanta to, to bolster the receiver core, even though, you know, again, the temptation will be for them to draft a quarterback at some point, assuming they're picking this high and they haven't found any other situation to replace Matt Ryan down the line. Here's the thing with the Falcons. I thought they were going to look strongly at quarterback during this year's draft. They didn't. Uh, they got Matt Ryan for another two years. When we go, to, when we enter the 2022 draft, they will have Matt Ryan for another year. You got a new coach there, new general manager. I think they are primed to take a quarterback uh, if they have a top 10 selection in the 2022 draft, which I believe they will. And they're going to go with my guy, Carson Strong from Nevada. 
who was graded at right now as a potential late second round pick by scouts who uh, grade underclassmen. But, you know, as Chris was saying earlier, when uh, he made his selection for Carson Strong, Carson Strong is one of the best arm talents I've ever seen uh, in, in my 30 years of, of doing draft analysis. And you're going to see it next year if you're watching, because I'm sure he's going to be uh, on television more and more and more. Last summer when we did our previews, I predicted that Carson Strong would be the next quarterback from the Mountain West to be a first-round pick. I stand by that. I think he's got a huge amount of upside. Chris mentioned uh, level of competition. I'm not too concerned about that, as more so as I am with the Nevada offense. They play that pistol offense. I've said time and time again, I think they get a little too cute for themselves. Rather than building everything around their best player, Carson Strong, if you've ever watched them, they get down the red zone, they get down inside the five-yard line, and all of a sudden they're doing direct snaps to the running backs and all kinds of uh, you know cute things when they really shouldn't. I hope they change that this year. I hope more of the emphasis is on uh, is for Carson Strong and most more of the offense is on his shoulders because he's proven time and time again he can carry that offense. He's got a great amount of upside, and I think Carson Strong is a quarterback that most people – haven't been talking about, although Chris and I have been talking about it for almost a year now, that come next April, not even April, it won't be April, it'll be this season when they watch him play and, and, and through the pre-draft process, assuming he enters the draft, uh, everyone's going to be talking positively and, and falling in love with this guy. Now, there were three teams with similar odds to be the 10th worst team in football in terms of Super Bowl odds. The Las Vegas Raiders and the Chicago Bears were two of those teams. The third was the Washington football team. That's just who we slotted in here at number 10 in this draft. And the reality for the Washington football team is that Ryan Fitzpatrick is currently their quarterback and he'll have a good season. Most likely he has some weapons to throw to Terry McLaurin. will probably be glad to have him rather than the rotating carousel of quarterbacks they've had over the past few years, since obviously 2019 first round pick Dwayne Haskins is already gone off the roster and backing up Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Now probably the third stringer. They're honestly not even backing him up, but 50 to one odds to win the Super Bowl for Washington. So they pick here. And they will end up with a quarterback in this draft. And that is USC's Keaton Slovis, the number four quarterback and the number five overall player in terms of odds to go number one overall at betonline.ag. Now, obviously, quarterbacks get pushed up in those odds because even if a wide receiver or a tackle is likely to go in the top 10, more likely than a quarterback, they're not as likely to go number one. That's just how quarterbacks are. That's just how the position is valued in today's NFL. But back to Slovis here. 47 touchdowns and 16 interceptions in 18 career games. Wasn't quite as good last year as he was as a freshman. Made a few more mistakes, a couple more questionable decisions. Doesn't have the rocket arm or high-level athleticism, but he's very accurate. Leads receivers into yards after the catch. Functional athleticism. Think more on the level of what Sam Howell has than what Carson Strong has. Uh, Slovis' 2021 performance really is going to go a long way to determining where he ends up in the draft. But for now, based on what we know and, and what we can realistically expect from him this season, he lands at number 10 in my mock draft with the Washington football team. And I'm right there with you. I mean, he Slovis is a guy that presently is graded as like Carson Strong as a bottom half of round two player. But you talk to those out West and they think he's got big time potential. They think he's got big time ability. Uh, they think he's just going to be an outstanding uh, NFL quarterback. <laughs> He does play for USC, and a lot of those guys that come out of USC, those highly rated quarterbacks that have come out of USC, uh, really haven't panned out as the New York Jets know and some of the other teams have known. Uh, but there are, there are a lot of scouts that like him. 
I will tell you this. I don't expect Washington to be drafting number 10. I think Washington is obviously going to compete for the uh, NFC East uh, title again, primarily because one, the division is really down, except for maybe uh, the Dallas Cowboys who should be improved. Plus, I also think they got a hell of a coach in Ron Rivera. I think that they improved their team in the offseason. Obviously, the quarterback is going to determine whether or not they win six games or whether or not they win 10 games. Uh, you don't know. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a guy you catch lightning in a bottle, then you throw the bottle away because, you know, he, he doesn't really replicate what he's done on a, a season after season. They got Taylor Heineke there. They got Kyle Allen there, who Rivera had some success with at, uh, at Carolina. Really nothing that's going to shake fear into opponents. But again, you know, Rivera finds a way to win, which I, I think he'll do again this year. Yeah, and as you said, the Washington football team has a good roster, um, you know, and you add a quarterback in who can potentially keep things on schedule. I mean, yeah, he's a bit of a, uh, you know, wild card in, in terms of the decision he makes at times. But yeah, I think they can push for the playoffs. But as you said, six wins, certainly a possibility. And that would land them probably right around this range of the draft. Now, before we sign off for tonight, we want to look at some of the players that are having pretty good odds to be the first overall pick via again our buddies at bet online we mentioned five players in our top 10 mock draft that are in the top 10 in terms of odds to be the first overall pick and the guy neither of us selected who's actually first in odds to go number one overall is spencer rattler quarterback out of oklahoma he's also the heisman favorite uh, he's just over 40 percent right now to be the number one overall pick next year um, so, you know, neither of us selected him. We each selected three quarterbacks, the same three quarterbacks in the same order, different picks. Uh, but, you know, Spencer Rattler is a guy that has very good odds to be number one overall. He is not in our mock draft. Same thing goes for Malik Willis, quarterback from Liberty. Tyler Show, former Oregon quarterback playing now for Texas Tech. JT Daniels, the quarterback at Georgia. And Desmond Ritter, Cincinnati quarterback. All of these guys are in the top nine in terms of odds to go number one overall. And I kind of teased it when I was talking about uh, Slovis and Washington, how the reality is that a quarterback is very likely to go number one. So, you know, you're not going to have multiple players at other positions, except in this case, cornerback, um, you know, that are going to be in the top 10 for odds to go number one overall. You're going to have more quarterbacks. And the reality is a couple of them most likely are going to end up in the second round. But if they have massive meteoric rises, like we have seen over the past couple of seasons, they could certainly find their way into the top 10. But Tony, what do you think of the odds uh, around some of these quarterbacks and kind of what scouts are saying about these players? I think maybe uh, Bet Online should reach out to me uh, on this, but I, I understand where they're going with. First of all, I'm going I'm to talk about the three seniors uh, that are in their top 10. Malik Willis from Liberty, uh, JT Daniels from Georgia, Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati. Scouts that I've talked to have all three of these guys graded as day three selections. None of them forget about being a top 10. None of them are, are top 100 picks. They're all day three selections. I understand it with Ritter. I've already done my film work on Ritter. He's big. He's athletic. Does a great job picking up yardage with his legs. He's got a strong arm. But half the times you don't know where the hell the ball's going to end up. I, I, I mean, he's woefully inaccurate. The further downfield or out to the flank she throws the ball, the more of an adventure it becomes. He's got a great amount of upside, but he really has got to improve his pass placement and his accuracy uh, for, for him to become, you know, a, potentially a, a top 32 pick could happen. I just don't see it happen. As far as Spencer Rattler and uh, Tyler Sh uh, Shaw is concerned, these are guys who right now are on, you know, 
watch list. They're not graded as highly as Sam Howell is. Uh, so these are guys that scouts are looking at, but really haven't put a grade on, or at least the scouts I've talked to don't have a grade on. Yeah, we know about them. Yeah, we, we think they're highly rated, but we're not going to grade them yet. We're going to watch them. Show, show obviously played at Oregon last year is going to a new team uh, in Texas Tech. Uh, Rattler, you know, is he a one-year wonder or is he the real deal? Although one-year wonders really don't matter much in the NFL draft these days at the quarterback position, as we've seen, uh, you know, oftentimes don't pan out. But really, I, I think there's a lot of buzz or the buzz for those for these quarterbacks, Spencer Rattler, Malik Willis, Tyler Slow, JT Daniels, Desmond Ritter is more outside the scouting community and in the World Wide Web than it is actually inside the scouting community if you talk to these guys at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of mock drafts that are would be happening right now would probably have Spencer Rattler locked into the Houston Texans at number one. Um, you know, a lot of people like him, a lot of people you know, again, they view him as, you know, this guy's going to win the Heisman. This guy was productive this past season. He's going to have, you know, two strong years under his belt. Uh, but, you know, the reality is, does he have the traits that you necessarily look for in a quarterback that you're drafting number one overall? I think Sam Howell has all those traits. I would argue even Carson Strong has more of those traits. Um, you know, if you want to talk to me about Spencer Rattler and, and Keaton Slovis, I'll certainly, certainly listen and I'll pick up the phone for that discussion. But, you know, the reality is, you know, he's, plays in the Big 12, plays for Oklahoma. We know that the production in that conference can be very inflated at times. Um, you know, we, we know that, you know, it's produced, you know, Baker Mayfield has come out uh, recently and, you know, he's settled into being kind of like a mid-tier average NFL quarterback now that he's, you know, in the same system for, uh, you know, a couple of years in a row and was able to finally get comfortable. But, I mean, the reality here that uh, Spencer Rattler, over 40% to be the number one overall pick next year. I mean, I, I think that these odds should be a bit more spread out, um, you know, among a lot of these quarterbacks. Um, I'm very surprised to see that. Um, a lot of people are going with that or following along with that as well. You know, obviously we'll see how the season progresses, but you know, just very interesting to see the odds on these guys and, you know, then compare it to, to our thoughts in this mock draft. I'll leave the betting odds to you. I'll say this, you know, the Houston Texans are now run by Nick Cesario of the New England Patriots, who's going to run that organization with an iron fist. If they do have the first pick of the draft, who is more the Nick Cesario type of quarterback? Is it Spencer Rattler or is it Sam Howell? And I, I think it would be Sam Howell. And that's it for the 195th episode of the Draft Analyst presented by Bet Online and the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review. And feel free to ask us any questions and give any feedback you may have as well. We'll be back next week to kick off our summer scouting. But until then, for Tony Pauline, this is Chris Tripodi. Good night. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.